than the state that I live in, there are 3,000 different plant species. But I think herbalists are only using maybe like 20 of those plants, maybe 30. We're using such a small percentage, and that is where the risk happens or where the risk lies is only using a small percentage of our native flora, then the rest is at risk. The co-evolved relationship between people and plants is what needs to be restored. It's what needs to be healed. And I think medical botany will really help us do that as herbalists because we are going to connect with what is around us first, and then we'll help protect it. Welcome to the Wild Herbs Podcast, where we unpack and uncover the healing properties of wild herbs so you can heal naturally with the plants beneath your feet. I am your host, April Puncelon, wild untamed plant lady, also a botanist and ethnobotanist and herbalist dedicated to teaching you how to heal with plants. If you want to learn edible and medicinal plants, you are in the right place, my friend. So you are going to get to hear this podcast that I did for Herb Rally, and I put so much time into this podcast that I had to share it with you, and I want you to know what medical botany is, because I'm putting so much time and energy into teaching medical botany right now, and teaching you what is medical botany. I hope you listen to this whole episode, and you will have a full understanding of why it is critically important for this field to come back right now and this time and age. So I'm going to talk to you today about what is medical botany, right? Give you a little bit of a background on what medical botany is. Then I'm going to cover the history of medical botany. And then we will close with why medical botany deserves to come back today. So medical botany is the study of medicinal plants that surround you. I'm going to repeat that part the study of medicinal plants that surround you. And the last part of that sentence is really important, that surround you. I love the way that Walter Lewis defines medical botany. He says, it's the massive knowledge acquired by man to retain his health by using the plants around him. The massive knowledge, right? Medical botany is studying all the plants in your environment. And a lot of times the plants are divided by which plants are healing and nourishing, which ones are harmful or poisonous, and then which ones uh, alter the conscious mind. But it's really taking this close look at the plants that surround you and going beyond a handful. So it's learning all the plants around you, right? And learning their properties. And medical botany, obviously has a very strong foundation in botany, hence the name medical botany. And so to be able to examine all the plants in your environment, you need a solid foundation in botany. And medical botany also, I think its strength is examining the relationship between plant families or between the plants in the family and the genera. So I'll give you one example. And Arnica, which you may know, is a really powerful anti-inflammatory, and it's used externally often, is Arnica montana. But we have an Arnica here, Arnica acalis, in the southeast. I say here, and I'm in the southeast, and it grows in the longleaf pine savannas. And so instead of me trying to get Arnica montana and grow it in an environment it's not accustomed to, 
I can work with Arnica acalis. But I'm only able to know that I can maybe work with Arnica acalis by looking at that Latin name and the nomenclature and knowing it's in the same family, Aster family, Aster ACE. And so also knowing medical botany or medical botany gives us a great way to dive deep into these plant families and to look at all the species in the plant family and how it's used medicinally worldwide. So then maybe we can use some of the plants, like the vast diversity of Eupatoriums. You may not have Eupatorium rotundifolium, but you may have Eupatorium perfoliata. So I'm talking a lot of Latin, but that is medical botany. Medical botany you have to know the Latin nomenclature. I don't want to scare you, but it is such a powerful tool. And I could talk to you all day about that, but I'll I'll go on. I'm looking at my notes now, smeared with taxonomy, bald cypress resin. But anyway, so you can think of medical botany as studying the plants that surround you and knowing the Latin nomenclature and looking at plant taxonomy to help you understand the plants that surround you and understand the relationships between the plants around you and knowing how they evolved, right? So when I teach students, I teach them the evolutionary history of plants and I help them learn plant taxonomy. And so I help them go from the ferns and advance all the way to the flowering plants. And learning that medical botany helps them so much and they can go anywhere in the world and apply that knowledge. All right. So that is medical botany. So now let's talk about the history of medical botany. So only a few centuries ago, the physician was also trained in botany. A lot of times the physician was a botanist. And medical botany flourished in the 1800s, the early and late 1800s. And I, through my research, I've realized that medical botany was able to flourish in the 1800s because of the Carl Linnaeus system of biological classification, right? The binomial naming system that I was talking about earlier, the Arnica ocalis, Arnica montana, the genus is the first part. And then the second part of the name is the Pacific epithet. Because before Carl developed the Linnaean system, Herbalists really didn't have a way of agreeing on a name, and some of the names would be different in books, and it was really hard for herbalists to compare, and the the plants were just written out all over the board, if you will, and it was really hard to communicate, in a way, the relationship between these plants and herbalism, and to share this knowledge around the world. But after Carl's system was developed, it became a lot easier. And botanists and doctors and physicians were able to communicate. But anyhow, I want to back up a little bit because it's really hard. to. I can't talk about medical botany without first identifying the fact that it was made possible by the indigenous people of North America, right? So it's integral and vital for me to first acknowledge that because... Apprentices of, I'll give you an example, apprentices of Navajo medicine men knew up to 200 plants and their surroundings to heal the spirit and the mind. The indigenous people, they lived and still live in harmony with their environment. And so they knew all the plants that surround them. 
And when the early explorers came over to North America, they took note, right? Their survival depended on taking note of what plants the indigenous people were using. And they took copious notes of how the indigenous people practice with medicine. And that knowledge was handed down. And so really medical botany was made possible by the indigenous people of North America. Some of the knowledge was obtained from comparing how people use the plants in China and in India, Ayurvedic medicine and Chinese medicine, and which plants we have here in North America. And are those properties similar? And so that's fascinating to see. And we can still practice that today, right? We can still look at how people use plants around the world to help us understand our flora. So before we move on, I still want to talk about the history of medical botany, and I want to talk to you about someone in particular that has influenced my life in major ways, and his name is Francis Pierre Porchet, and he was born in 1825, and it's so interesting for me to have this influential person in my life that is no longer living, and it was born in the 1800s, but he has had a major impact on my life, his work. And I'd like to think in a way that I love viewing or reflecting on my botanical journey through life and looking at moving from Western North Carolina, being a botanist for the Nantahala National Forest and coming to Charleston, South Carolina, where there's all this history and stumbling on Francis Porchet's work. So Francis Porchet was a physician and a doctor, and he grew up on a plantation in South Carolina, and his, his mother, Isabella, was really knowledgeable with plant medicine and healing, and she taught her son. And Francis knew he wanted to be a doctor, and so he graduated from the Medical University of South Carolina. And he grew up during a really hard time, and so he had to be a surgeon during the Civil War. And people started noticing that Francis knew a lot about plant medicine. He knew so much, in fact, that they asked him to take a break, to take a sabbatical, if you will, and to write down everything he knew about plants in the southern forest. The reason why this was so important is because there was a blockade from the north during the Civil War, and so people in the south were not able to get medicine, and they had to depend 100% on plant medicine. So Francis Porchet spent several years, spent quite a while, writing the resources of the southern fields and forests which which was published in 1863 see i get so excited talking about this i start stuttering (laughs) anyway he wrote the book and he published it in 1863 so i moved to charleston south carolina and i find this book and i'm talking it has plant descriptions and how to use plants medicinally for up to 400 species And it was a revolution for me because I have always been an herbalist since high school and I'm a botanist though and I love plant taxonomy and I love field botany. I love learning native plant medicine. And so it made so much sense to me that the medical botanist were herbalists, but botanists, medical botany. Anyway, so when I saw how many plant descriptions he had written, And the fact that he was this amazing doctor, physician, herbalist, and botanist, it gave me inspiration to teach medical botany and to 
revive this old forgotten field. But anyway, back to Francis Porchet. So Francis Porchet ends up returning after the Civil War and writing the book. He ends up returning to the Medical College of South Carolina as a professor. And he teaches for a long time. And he helps all these physicians graduate. And I've been able to read some of their dissertations. And it's been really fun to dig through the history of medical botany and our nation But they were writing, a lot of these physicians and doctors were getting their MDs by writing on one species. So I've been able to find dissertations on Indian tobacco, Lobelia enfilada. What's another one? American buccalweed, Lycopus virginicus, which is a plant that I'm really attracted to. And so looking at Francis's work and some of the students that he helped graduate, it's just been, it's been amazing. And I could go on and on about the history of medical botany, but I don't want to bore you too much. But I highly recommend doing your own research after you listen to this podcast. And make sure you have a couple hours when you do. Because if you're like me, if you're a big-time plant geek, you're going to go down a rabbit hole. But it'll be a good one, I promise. But anyway, medical botany almost disappeared during the second half of the 19th century, unfortunately. So with advances in medical science, empirical science, and a medical board, medical botany was almost seen as going backwards, right? Old ways. That's old way to practice medicine, plant medicine, old way. We have now this new way, this synthetic medicine, these derivatives of these natural compounds that we can produce in a lab and we can do it easily and distribute it right around the world around the nation we don't really need to go we don't need this old system this old thought this old school and so that's how medical botany disappeared so empirical research and science was able to isolate the active medicinal compounds and make these synthetic derivatives hello aspirin right but we know Walter Lewis's quote where he says, nature is still mankind's greatest chemist. I love that. And it always will be, right? Nature will still or will always be mankind's greatest chemist. But anyhow, so medical botany disappears. But during the transition, the shift, there were all these doctors and eclectics that were fighting for medical botany. And if you're interested and this is something that intrigues you, I highly encourage you to Google In the Defense of Medical Botany by William Starr. And you can download it. It's a free PDF. He talks about how the medical board was going to create a disadvantage for the American people and how it was going to create and make our medical system a monopoly. And I'm just going to leave it at that. There's a lot more in that book. You definitely want to read it. I'll just say that. All right, so let's move on from the history of medical botany. So why does medical botany deserve a resurgence today? I think personally that medical botany needs to be revived in this country really badly right now because we are losing a tremendous amount of our biodiversity. Right now, we're in what scientists call the Anthropocene, which is a period where we're losing species at unprecedented rates 
due to humans, due to the degradation and destruction of the earth, the land use. We are transitioning a lot of green areas into buildings and asphalt. So extinction rates are 1,000 times higher than background extinction rates. And scientists have looked at background extinction rates throughout time looking at fossils. So it's really important that you help protect the native medicinal plants so you are a steward to those plants and they are a steward to you. And that's what it's going to take for us to slow down the biodiversity loss of plants. And that's why I think medical botany is so important to learn. And so as herbalists, as plant people, as earth walkers, we have to learn the plants that surround us on a deeper level. I highly recommend you learn botany through and through so you practice with the plants around you first and foremost. That's why medical botany needs to make a resurgence. So I'm going to quote again Walter Lewis in his book, Medical Botany. He says, why is it important that we stop the rapid destruction of vegetation? And he wrote this in 1976. He says, those interested in natural history, conservation, and medicine must do their utmost to prevent extinction of even a single species that may contain a phytochemical invaluable for humankind. And I just want to say, as a plant conservationist, as a botanist that's been working on rare plant conservation for 10 plus years in the southeast, we cannot lose any more vegetation. We have lost so many plant species, and I've seen all these rare plant populations disappear when humans aren't going back to check on them. And so I started to realize that the co-evolved relationship between people and plants is what needs to be restored. It's what needs to be healed. And I think medical botany will really help us do that as herbalists because we are going to connect with what is around us first and then we'll help protect it. And I've seen firsthand that it really does work. One of my students, Nora Luce, recently, actually when I was teaching botanical medicine this year, helped protect 100 plus plants because she saw wax myrtle, Morella serifera, and she asked, she was at a banquet and she asked somebody what was happening with the land and they said that it was going to be developed into a senior center. And she asked, she said, can I come back and harvest some of this wax myrtle and maybe get some of my friends and different people to come back and rescue these plants? And the contractor said yes. And so we went back, a lot of us went back and we rescued all this native plant medicine And so by her learning the native plants that are indigenous to the land that she lives on, she protected those plants. And that was amazing to witness. I have a little YouTube video on how to rescue native plants that you can see on my YouTube channel, Yohola Herbal School, if you want to witness or watch that video. And so you can see that land and you, you actually get to see the bulldozer at the end, unfortunately. But anyway, we protected a lot of plants. My point is... If we teach people medical botany and if herbalists learn medical botany, they will become protectors of those plants. And that co-evolved relationship between the person and the plant is healed. And so it's really hard. I don't have anything against using herbs from different countries like ashwagandha or calendula or chamomile. Some of these herbs are invaluable and we love them, right? 
but we have to form a relationship with the plants that grow around us, but we can find an alternative for some of these herbs. And so it's, I teach students that part of the medicine is the relationship. It's just the relationship before we even make an infusion or decoction or a vinegar or syrup with the plant. It's that relationship. And that relationship between you and the plant is what heals you and the land, right? And then once you make medicine with it, you're bringing more healing to your body. But first, the connection has to happen. I think medical body needs to make a resurgence because we, because it is an amazing way, I should say, to deepen your knowledge as an herbalist or a plant person and to practice and to become an earth practitioner protector, right? If we can help make medical botany come back, then we will have a lot more, I think, earth protectors that will be able to protect native plants that may not receive any attention right now. Because we will protect what we understand. And so I could keep going on and on, and I'm probably, I'm preaching to the choir. But I just wanted you to know what is medical botany, the history of medical botany, and why it needs to make a resurgence in our country. And I'll just end with this. In other countries, people use 80% of their flora, 80%. And I estimate that we use probably like 0.0001% because in the state that I live in, there are 3,000 different plant species. But I think herbalists are only using maybe like 20 of those plants, maybe 30 we're using such a small percentage and that is where the risk happens or where the risk lies is only using a small percentage of our native flora and then the rest is at risk and of course maybe not all of those herbs may be medicinal some of them may be poisonous not a lot but some but anyway the point being that in other countries people use a lot more of their flora than we do but if we can if medical botany can make a resurgence, then we can start using a larger percentage of our flora. Learning, connecting, and growing with a larger percentage of our flora. I cover medical botany and I teach students how to learn plant families and compare their medicinal phytochemicals across the family within the genus and to look at that relationship around the world. That way, no matter where they go, they can use and practice that knowledge. All right, now that you know what medical botany is, I hope that you're pumped and you want to learn more. If you want to really learn herbalism and you want to learn the wild herbs around you, I highly recommend taking medical botany. I will be teaching medical botany two in the fall of this year and medical botany one again in February of 2025. And I have to say, this is my purpose. This is what I'm supposed to be teaching because I get super jazzed and I think it's critically important that we as herbalists and plant people learn the wild herbs beneath our feet, not importing herbs. All right, be well. Share this episode with a friend. Give us a comment. Follow the show. And thank you for listening. Be well.